The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is April Monique. April is an intuitive embodiment healer weaving coaching, neuroscience, somatic processing, and energy healing into her scene method for energetic visibility. This goes beyond visibility, branding, and mindset to heal the inner self so your outer self is available for magnetic visibility that feels sustainable and expansive. Hi, April. I am so thrilled to have you on the show with me today. Thank you so much for being here. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat tonight. Wonderful. It's funny because before we got on, we were talking about how it feels like it was, it's been so long since we last spoke, but at the same time, wow, the time just kind of flew by. Exactly. Isn't that weird how that happens? Yes. <laughs> time is so strange. <laughs> time is very strange. We think we haven't figured it out, but we really don't. Mm -hmm. So I would love to dive in and hear about you, hear about your story mm -hmm. and hear about the amazing things that you do. Um, so I would love to start first with hearing about those amazing things that you are up to these days. Yeah. So I was thinking today about what I wanted to share about myself and the work that I do tonight. And something that's really been coming up a lot lately is I feel like I am in some ways you might say a generalist, but more of like multi-passionate to where I have many things that I love to do and help people with and work through a lot of knowledge and trainings in different areas. And you might look at my resume and think that I'm a little off the <laughs> bean path because I probably am. I've always really enjoyed learning new things. And so where that brings me to now is I've struggled at some points with what do I do? Who do I help? What is my messaging? But when I'm working with people or people are drawn to me, it all just works out so well. And so I've been thinking a lot lately about how not to really go into the niching conversation, but sometimes I feel like we don't have to show up and be all 
pretty in a niched down either personality or business or hobby, whatever it is, it can be all over the place. And we can have so many different things that we do to meld into this beautiful experience that we provide for ourselves and also for other people. And so that's kind of where I feel like I am in my work right now. Specifically, the work that I do is helping people feel seen, heard, and nurtured from themselves and then from others. And so what I've learned along the path of working with clients and doing my own inner healing work is that people will often look for visibility from the outside or look for ways to increase their communication or the way they feel cared for or supported from looking from the outside in. But when we're able to look from the inner piece of ourselves, what's going on inside us and how we really see ourselves, how we really allow ourselves to see ourselves and be seen, then we can really show up more confidently and fully, then it just seems like it makes, if we're having a a conversation with entrepreneurs or people who are running any kind of, whether it's a, a personality business or a business or a creator business, it does a lot of the branding work for us, I feel, and the messaging work for us. And so that's really what I've been focused on. I just realized that that was the work that I was naturally doing for years. And finally, when I put together all of the work that I do with clients over the last 15 years, really everybody felt more visible when we were finished (laughs) and they felt more seen, heard and nurtured. And so that's where I really shifted my business to be more clear about that. But just seeing how in my work is so often we have these wounds and They might be a wound of visibility or a wound of feeling like we have to be small at some point in our childhood or in the past and just healing those wounds to expand that capacity for visibility from an inner healing perspective is something I'm really passionate about. So that in a nutshell is what I'm doing these days. (laughs) Nice. I love it. I really resonated with what you said at the beginning about not fitting into a perfect niche, right? Like just doing a bunch of things. I feel like that's so intuition, just following your intuition, doing what feels right. That's sort of how I felt at the beginning of my spiritual awakening number two, uh, where I just felt like I was dabbling in everything. And I'm like, where's the sense in all this? But eventually it all makes sense. It all seems to come together in hindsight. But I really like that because I feel like it takes so much pressure off and it really allows the person to focus on what they're meant to learn at that time and what they're meant to do. So what a great revelation you had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because if I look at the past, I could say... I'm passionate about and I've been trained in neuroscience and how to use that in coaching and in therapy. I'm also a licensed therapist. I'm also a coach and business coach and a wellness coach. And I also do energy healing. And the beautiful thing is all of that goes into the work that I do with people. I I look at it like an apothecary of tools that I'm bringing in the old medicine women would come in with their bag, not just the one thing that they're using. You come in with your bag and then you pull out what you need. And that's kind of how I'm coming to see my work these days. Ooh, I love that. So it's like you have all your tools, just as you had said, you have all your tools because you've followed your intuition and you trained in all these tools. And now they're at, you're ready for whatever 
you feel your client is needing. So I think that's wonderful. I think for people who feel like they're all over the place, <laughs> trust and have patience. It'll all, it'll all work itself out. It all makes sense. I yes. would love to now get into a bit more of your, about your past and a little bit more about your childhood and what set the foundation for who you are today. Yeah. So there's so much I could say here. I feel like... When I was growing up, my mom really instilled in me the, I guess she wanted me to trust myself from early on and that she wasn't going to make me believe anything or steer me in any specific direction as far as like Christianity or spirituality or anything, church or anything. And so I had some freedom to go to church with friends or go to different events that I may not have went to if we had that strong direction at home, which I mean, you could look at that two ways. I feel like that is such a blessing because then I wasn't instilled with all of the stuff that I'm having to unlearn as an adult. And so it's twofold. Part of it is that I was going to church with friends every once in a while when I would be invited. And I remember um, the summer before second grade, it was kind of like a vacation Bible school, but it was at night and it was different than anything I've seen since. But I remember someone mentioning Jesus and I had never heard of Jesus before, but as this first to second grader, I was just fascinated and I didn't even really know who this was or what this meant. I just remember hearing that. And then I followed one of the teachers into a separate building so that I could ask her who Jesus was. As I said, it's twofold. The second part of that is as a young child or all of my growing up, I really, as a biracial black child in a small town in the Midwest, a very 99% white town at the time, I felt often that I needed to be unseen and visible, not heard for different reasons. And so it amazes me knowing that about myself at that time in my life. I followed this woman and I often think back on it. I must have been completely enthralled because I don't imagine that there would be many people I would just follow into some other building that I don't know this person or this building or this church. So she told me about Jesus from the Christian perspective. And I was like, I want to know everything. I was just obsessed as much as you can be in that, what, seven, eight year old mindset. Then it was really interesting because I just continued to develop this relationship with Jesus. And the only way I knew to do that was through the Bible and prayer and being a part of the Christian church. And so then I joined a ministry and I ended up going into ministry, working with college students and I loved it, but there were many things that I didn't fully believe in, but I had to uphold as I was in this ministry and agreeing to certain things that I was saying that I believed or that I was a part of. And I remember feeling like, you know, I love Jesus. I love God. 
going back to my childhood, I would spend time when I wasn't with friends or I was just at home. I would a lot of times rather be in my room reading about Jesus or reading the Bible because I was so interested in Jesus. It's so interesting to me thinking back now. So then as a young adult, after undergrad, I was working in this ministry and started realizing that there was more to this than what I was living. I went to graduate school at that point. And through graduate school, I realized that through going to what was called an inner healing coaching group. It was like a life coaching group, but it was focused on inner healing from the Christian's perspective. And that is where I fully met Jesus, I feel, because we were doing these guided imagery, safe place kind of meditations. And we were told to meet Jesus, but I already naturally worked with Jesus. Now I know he's my main spirit guide, but... At the time, it was so easy out of everyone who was in my class or my group. It was so easy for me to connect with him because I had already been connecting with him. And then as I continued to work in this capacity in the safe place meditation on my own and getting to know him more and feeling more supported by him, then I realized there were other people with him, specifically a woman and then other people joining. Just all of these things lined up through my life so that by the time I was in my 30s, I just finally was like, oh, Jesus is my spirit guide. And I never would have known that before. I never would have thought of that. But that's kind of how that worked out. And then the woman that was always with him, I soon realized was Mary Magdalene. So I have a strong relationship with both of them. And then that created this path that I've gone on that they've, I guess I would say, set out in front of me to the more I'm connected with them and in my self-trust kind of lens and trusting them, then in the surrender and receptivity, then it feels like things with my work and my life just really work themselves out. And I find myself in positions to learn new things that I never would have thought of learning before. <laughs> so many questions. Okay. So and I hope I don't forget any of them. Okay. So first of all, you were studying ministry, right? What was that transition like from studying ministry to really hard. not? <laughs> yeah. So... When I was an undergraduate, I was getting a degree in health and wellness. When I graduated, I decided instead of going into, well, I did work for Habitat for Humanity as a gap year before I started looking for work. And then I started thinking about work during that year. And while I was still in school, I was thinking about ministry. And if I'm really honest, thinking back, I wanted to be in ministry. And this is really interesting to think about. But I wanted to be in ministry because I wanted an open schedule. Like I wanted to be able to just make my own schedule. And I knew that like, the people in ministry that I knew made their own schedule. Very practical. Not, that I, <laughs> yes, not that I didn't want to be in ministry, but that was definitely a selling point. Now I know as a business, small business owner and entrepreneur, there's other options for that. But I decided to go that path. So I went through one year ministry internship in um, South Louisiana, and then I continued to stay on there working with that campus. There was a point, I think three years in where I realized this was not the place for me, but it was really difficult to let other people know that and to really own that for myself because I was feeling like 
confused in the sense that I know what I believe. I know that I believe in Jesus. I know that I believe in God, but I don't know that I fully align with this Christian Bible based kind of stance that I've said that I do. And so I had to honestly just pull off the band-aid. So what I did was I applied for graduate school, got accepted, and that was the way I left because I couldn't think of another way. In my mid-20s, it just felt so insurmountable to tell these people that I wanted to leave the ministry. So I just went to graduate school and became a counselor (laughs) instead of telling them that. And then that transition was like being in graduate school. One of the most amazing things about the graduate school I was in is that we were learning how to be counselors, therapists, and it was very focused on you do your own work. You do your healing work because that is what makes the most successful and sought out therapist and counselor because you're doing your own work. And I haven't talked to anyone else who has experienced a program like that, who's been through a counseling program. And so I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity. So while I was there, I was doing a lot of inner healing work and I was doing therapy, but I also was, like I said before, in this inner healing program, It was a group coaching program and I just kept taking it over and over again all through graduate school. So I think I took it like four or five times. And by the end of graduate school, I was just good. Like I felt good about myself, not good as in like everything aligned, but I felt good about myself. I felt like I could really trust myself. But at that point, I ended up getting married right out of graduate school. That was difficult because one of the things that happened was He really got stronger in his Christian faith, and I was going stronger in a spiritual awakening connection to spirit guides and things like that, but I didn't have the words for it back then. Eventually, we ended up getting divorced, and that was when I really just took off and found my own way. Well, that does take a lot of courage. You left the ministry, but you still gained this amazing education. So it wasn't like a a loss by any means. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, like that's a really hard thing to do, especially when you're surrounded by. And I remember this when I was younger, too, going to like a Korean church, like being surrounded by people who looked like they so full heartedly believed in everything Christianity. And you hear this one person, uh, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> you know, it just it feels very overwhelming. So at 20, I bet, you know, it can be very hard to make that switch. So you showed such courage and such bravery to do what you felt right despite the flexible schedule, you know, that you were giving up. But luckily, it all it's all seemed to work out. So more questions now about Jesus. And then I'm sure maybe Mary Magdalene will come in or, or however it's meant to work. But you said that you have already been working with Jesus and you, you went to this class and you connected with him right away. Can you Tell me what your experiences had been, at least to that point, of working with Jesus. And was it just through meditation or dreams or how did you work with Jesus? And yeah, what was it like? It was, I'm trying to gather all of these thoughts that are coming all at once. But I would say that early on, I really gravitated towards just talking to God and talking to Jesus just throughout the day. I think I was probably a lonely child. (laughs) And so looking back, 
I had more time than all of my friends. I was an only child. I didn't have a lot of places to be. So there was a lot of time that I was alone and just as a child wanting and needing support, like more support. And so I remember that as I was growing up and as a teenager, and even during the times where I wasn't in the church or calling myself a Christian and very much like as we would say in the Christian world, backslid, (laughs) Um, if we're going to be really honest. What word is that? Backslid. Like if you are no longer a Christian, then people will say that you've slid back in your life. Have you ever heard heard that that before? before. No. (laughs) Christian slang. Yes. And so there were times where I wasn't necessarily going to church, but I still was talking to God and specifically Jesus. I'm looking back now and I never imagined the big, cloudy, billowy beard, white man in the sky like we are taught God looks like. So it wasn't like I was talking to that God. I was just talking to God, whatever he was at the moment, and didn't necessarily have a vision for him. And when I started doing that inner healing program, I remember being really interested in how Jesus looked because I had never really thought much about it other than the pictures that we see. And so it never really occurred to me that he looked like that or didn't look like that. I guess I probably never thought about it growing up or if I did, I I don't know. And so at that point, I remember thinking, oh, he's not as defined as I would have thought. I would have thought Jesus always looks the same, but every time I would see him, he would look a little different, not like a specific human way that he would look. And so when I started doing that inner healing meditation, we would go into our safe place. We would create this place that we considered our safe place and then invite Jesus to join us there. And he always joined me and he always looked different and It was so calming to just be able to feel that support. Like it felt so real for some reason, looking back. And even now, sometimes when I go into that type of a meditation, it feels so real, like I'm actually there. So gradually over time. So I will say when I got divorced, I did have a period where I was like, I don't know what the hell is happening. I don't know. I I don't believe in all these things that the church says I need to believe in, the Christian church and all the things that my ex-husband wanted me to believe in. And I also don't know what that means. I literally don't think I ever knew that there was tarot. And I mean, of course, I remember we talked about it being bad when I was in ministry, but I don't remember that I really knew what any of that was, like tarot, oracle, spirituality. I don't remember that being an option or even knowing uh, that it existed beyond this the real kind of couldn't really non non tangible kind of thing that never really made sense to me because I just didn't know anybody who was like that who had a spiritual lens who wasn't a Christian and so then that's when it took me probably a year after my divorce to really feel my way through it to find my way back it was a bumpy ride because I wanted to continue to talk to Jesus, but I also felt like if I talk to you, is that okay? Do I need to stop talking to you? So I did for a while. I stopped praying. I stopped meditating. I stopped talking to any kind of spirit form. Then I realized that that wasn't the way either. That did not feel aligned or good. So I know I feel like I keep going back to this because I'm so curious. So you mentioned that Jesus looked different. Could you just describe what you saw? 
Yeah. So I remember one time specifically, we were on the top of a hill. I had a few different safe spaces and one of them was on the top of a hill, like a meadowy hill and then a tree in the middle of the hill. And I would be underneath the tree and he would come and meet me. And he just looked like this. I'm trying to even tap back into that, but it was almost like a feeling more than a vision. He just was so inviting and there with me and like held me like a friend or a parent would. If I really think more about it, it was more of a feeling. It wasn't like I was thinking of him. Well, this was the other time that I just thought of. So the other time we were in the same place and he was like dancing with me. So he had on this traditional long, uh, I don't know what you would call that, but like like a long... Yeah, kind of like, like a, a toga. Robot. It would end around your knees, like that kind okay. of a tunic. <laughs> maybe, yeah. And he was just dancing with me, but I, I don't remember ever really grasping on to like physical human features. Mm, sure. And even now, when I think about him, it feels like a feeling. Like he feels like a feeling more than a vision. Yeah. No, that's actually really great. That. You're more into your clairsentience yeah. versus like the clairvoyance when it comes to that. And maybe that's how it's meant to be, right? It's yeah. meant to be that feeling. Maybe that's what you resonate with. So how lovely. And the dancing. I love that. I have picked up on with Jesus too, that he's very fun and he loves to have a good time. I've been told by others, he has a great sense of humor. So the dancing, I feel like is just so, so appropriate. Now, you mentioned Mary Magdalene. How did that relationship start? Yeah. So I just remember at some point during that period of time when I was in, I guess when I was in graduate school and going through really deepening my relationship in the way that I meditated and prayed. I remember there was always a woman there, but I could never really feel her or see her. It was kind of like in the shadows or like there, but I wasn't really aware. And then as I started to after my divorce and I went through that period of time, it was probably, oh, I don't even know, maybe like 2014 or 2015. I read this book, Sonia Choquette. What was the name of the book? Something about Ask Your Spirit Guides, I think it's called. And when I read that, I was like, oh, it's Mary Magdalene. Like, not that that book told me it was, just reading the book and going through the process of her explaining what all of this means. I was like, oh, so I started really connecting with her more. And at first I was like, are you Mary Magdalene? <laughs> she, she obviously confirmed that. And so then just, yeah, every time Jesus would show up, she would be there. And then it gradually became sometimes she would be in the forefront and really the spirit guide that was working with me versus Jesus. And so then I just went along that journey. And yeah, lots of things happened with that as well. Do you work with other entities besides those two, like angels or any other guides or anything like that? Yeah, I work with a lot of different guides. I feel like I have a team of guides that I specifically work with. And then when I work with clients, depending on the type of work we're doing, their spirit guides will come in as well. I do some DNA activation and deeper energy healing work. And so when I'm doing that or the deeper... Yeah, I'll just say the DNA activation work, then their guides will definitely come in. But Jesus and Mary Magdalene are always there with me. Often Isis is there with me. And like she the Egyptian also, God? 
places? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, cool. And so she started showing up as a third person, a second woman that I could never figure out who it was for a few years. And then she presented herself to me. So then I just started figuring out, okay, so who are all these people and are there more? So those are the main three guides I work with. There are a couple angels that show up a lot. So there's this angel I've never really fully, I don't know anyone who's ever talked, but the the name I have is Archangel Ambriel. So I started doing some research and I couldn't find a lot. I did find a little a few years back. So that's one of the archangels that would show up. And I found out that that actually is an archangel. So I work with them a lot. And then with... Archangel Michael a lot and Freya. Um, there's another guide that is very specific to me and calls themselves Fedora. At first, when they appeared to me, kind of like your spirit guide, Jason, when they first appeared to me, I was like, um, like the hat, like Fedora. <laughs> That was my first interaction. And they were like, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that. Yeah. And so those are the main guides I work with. And of course, there's other guides coming in and in and out all the time. When you say that they come to you, is it just like in a meditation dream? How do they yeah. come to you? Thank you for clarifying that. So both mostly meditation or prayer. I used to use cards a lot, but now I'll just sit down and ask who's here, who wants to work with me today? Is there anything I need to know? Anyone who wants to present themselves to me? And so that's really how that's evolved. I've had some dreams with spirit guides involved, but nothing that I even remember in this moment. Like in the moment, it would have been relevant, but then kind of passing through onto the next healing journey, I guess mostly through meditation and prayer. So one thing I started doing was at some point last year, I was really healing from a lot of burnout and I started journaling in the Akashic Records, although I didn't really know what I was doing. I just decided one day that that might be helpful. And so I started just writing and when I do my DNA activation work, I have a healing space that I go into. And so a part of that healing space does have the Akashic Records in it. So I decided to go into the Akashic Records. I had had some like very little training on Akashic Records, but I, I felt like I just really wanted to explore it on my own before I went deeper with the training. And so I started journaling every day. I would enter the Akashic Records through my journal, just say like, okay, I'm here to learn anything you have for me today. And whatever guides want to work with me, I'd like for you to share with me what we're working on. And then I would just journal like free write stream of consciousness and just write and write and write until I felt like I was done almost like, well, not almost it was, it was like a conversation. So I would write what they said, and then I would write what I, my response and just go back and forth. And that was really empowering um, in my spiritual journey to really have those deep conversations like written down was really powerful for me. Oh yeah, that's wonderful. Writing is such a great way because the act of writing too keeps your ego busy. <laughs> it keeps that part of your brain yeah. busy so you can't sit there and, well, why am I writing this? Well, that doesn't make sense or start to question everything right. and just let it all out. Can you explain what you mean by DNA activation healing? Yeah. I've not heard Thank of that you. before. Yeah. When I was learning about Mary Magdalene and I had spent a lot of time just kind of figuring out and learning about her from the human perspective, and I came across 
group of women who were doing what's called DNA activation. So I wanted to know more. And it turned out that their specific healing modality was from the lineage of Mary Magdalene. So I was like, absolutely need to know more than obviously I found you for like, I found them because I was just on Facebook one day and you know how you have those suggested five years ago, they were even more obscure kind of over in the corner, like these suggested groups. And it was a suggested group. I show up in the group. I see that they're doing this healing thing. I don't know what you're talking about. Then I find out it's about Mary Magdalene and Isis. And so I was like, oh, well, obviously I need to know more about this. So I ended up learning that healing modality. So it's basically similar to Reiki in the sense that it's a form of energy healing, but it's deeper in the sense that we're looking at the spiritual strands of DNA, the energetic strands of DNA that are connected to your physical strands of DNA. I've had clients say it feels like energetic surgery in a way, but not like in medical intuitive way, but like just in going into the chakras and your energy centers in your body and realigning and pulling out anything that is a block or what I would call like a seal on your DNA or on your energy that is blocking you from being able to move through life freely. One thing is that one of the seals may cause a lot of judgment, whether it's judgment for yourself or others. And so when we're looking at all of that, it's like I can see um, when I go into my healing space for a DNA activation, it's like I can see the person as if they're on a table in front of me, like I can see their energy. And so then I can see their DNA strands, the energetic strands that we're working with. And it almost looks like in my mind's eye, of course, this isn't like physical seeing, but it, it looks to me like a lot of times I'm looking at poker chips almost like that kind of consistency and it's put on the DNA. So then we're removing those, creating more healing energy around those spaces and healing all of those spaces. So then it's bringing them back to our most original DNA that we would have had, say, in our very first lifetime or before any kind of human existence happened. And so it really has helped people to feel more connected spiritually, to be able to like open up some of their spiritual gifts and be more trusting of their own intuition and feel more confident in their ability to feel seen and heard. And so it was a obviously a great modality for me to learn. And I've just loved using it because of the really amazing results that people have gotten from it. So you learned about this modality after you had already created a relationship with Mary Magdalene and Isis? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> Which is why I was like, I have to figure out what this is. Like, this is amazing. Otherwise, I don't know that it would have been so intriguing. But when I heard it was Mary Magdalene and then Isis, what? Like, yes, sign me up. What do we do? Okay. So to me, Isis and Mary Magdalene sounds like such a random pair are they yeah. not really random no no <laughs> really? so i may get the story all mixed up here but from my understanding mary magdalene the the work that she did was in the um and i can't even remember the exact words right now but the what it's called the um almost like oh i wish i could remember the word but the sexual healing from the lineage of Isis. And so they had a specific name that they called themselves. And then actually working Mary Magdalene initiated Jesus, at least from my belief and my understanding of what happened, initiated him into that 
lineage of healers who used the sexual healing and different types of healing that weren't considered mainstream and only these specific lineage of healers were doing this, which is also why Mary Magdalene was somewhat, if not extremely shunned in the biblical sense. Yeah, I've heard from so many different sources how her role was definitely downplayed and they really they, uh, I mean, whoever they is, but they gave her a, a really a bad name because of the influence she had or the, I don't know. That's what I've understood too, that from what I've read and just working with them, what it feels like is that she was a very influential person to him. And that didn't really follow the story of the male disciples, I guess. Um, so it feels like when I think about that story, it just feels really like a huge bummer that we missed out on that whole part of historical existence that is really powerful in the matriarchal sense and in the healing sense. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I work with Mary Magdalene too on a slightly different scale, which is so great. It just means she's so versatile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. She does. So I would love to wrap up our interview and ask you to see if Jesus and or Mary Magdalene may have a message for the collective at the time that they listen to this episode. So what's coming through really comes back to that piece of trusting yourself and your intuition. I think what I'm seeing here is that so often we as humans at this time in existence can just really downplay our own gifts and our own abilities and second guess everything we do sometimes. The message is just really that we start to even more fully than we already have just embody the truth of who we are in the safe spaces, maybe at the beginning, but really being able to work on trusting ourselves, our intuition, because I feel this sense that Jesus and Mary Magdalene probably work with many, if not all of the people listening to this, because I feel like people are being drawn to hear this. And so when they show up, they're showing up in this moment to say that you have everything you need and they're here to support you. They're just here to walk you through this next leg of your journey, through this next leg of your path, and not to be afraid of the deeply innate wisdom and power that's already within you. I just feel like there's so much that's changing in the world and it feels really related to that, like the paradigm shift of a new way of doing business as in life and everything, um, a new way of being and existing. And so the more that we're trusting ourselves, working on really connecting with our own intuition inside of ourselves and allowing that support from any spirit team that you feel called to work with, that is just a path to continue to deepen your process into this new way of living and not being a part of the old way of living, which was, you know, crushing down all of these healing beliefs or healing processes that really help to make the world a better place. Well, thank you so much for that wonderful message. And thank you to Jesus and Mary Magdalene as well for sharing that with all of us. I have no doubt that it's going to resonate with the listeners. So thank you so much. 
And April, thank you to you for your time today and for sharing your incredible journey and your courage with us. So again, thank you so much. Thank you. And that was another episode of a guided life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.